ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so it started the hadith of jibril and we were discussing what is mentioned within it um, we had mentioned the first pillar of Iman, which was the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We had also mentioned the second pillar that was mentioned here, which was the Iman in the angels. And so we'll continue from that point. The next part is the Iman in the books. We also know that one of the pillars of Iman is the Iman in the books that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. So الركن الثالث الإيمان بالكتب المنزلة فتؤمن بأن الله أنزل كتبا على رسله وهي من كلامه ووحيه So we believe and it is our iman we believe and it is our iman that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these books upon the prophets and messengers Allah revealed these books upon the prophets and messengers and they are revelation from Allah وَفِيهَا شَرْعُهُ وَأَمْرُهُ وَنَهْيُهُ And within these books is the legislation of Allah, His commands and His prohibitions. أَنزَلَهَا عَلَى رُسُولِهِ لِأَجْلِ بَيَانِ الْحَقِّ وَالنَّهِي عَنِ الْبَاطِلِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down these books with the commandments and the prohibitions in order to clarify to the people those affairs of what's prohibited and what's allowed. وَلِأَجْلِ هِدَايَةِ النَّاسِ and in order that the people can be guided. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down these books as guidance within them is revelation. And they were sent to various prophets and messengers throughout the ages. How many books were sent altogether? How many books? How many books altogether? Six? Uh-huh. The reality is we don't know how many books have been sent by Allah. We don't know how many there have been altogether. Some of the scholars even say that every prophet and messenger had a book revealed to them. Some of the scholars they mention that perhaps every prophet and messenger had a book revealed to them. So we don't know exactly how many books have been revealed by Allah. But we know that all of the books that were revealed by Allah, all of them were revelation. All of them were revelation, all of them were with Allah's legislation within them. minha. As for the ones that have been named, there are some that have been named that we, are no, we know about them by their names. But as for overall, then we don't know how many there are. But the ones that have been named to us, then we have, which ones? Az-Zabur, Az-Zabur, which was given to Dawood and At-Tawrah, that was given to Musa Al-Injil, that was given to Isa Al-Quran, that was given to Muhammad and there's another one which was named in the Quran. You have the Zabur, the Tawrah, the Injil, the Quran, the Suhuf. 
the Suhufi Ibrahim wa Musa at the end of Surah Al-A'la. The Suhuf, these scrolls, the scholars they say, they were a book too. They were books that were revealed. And these are the books that are commonly known. The Torah is what they sometimes refer to as the Old Testament. The Torah. The Injil is what they refer to as the New Testament. And then you have the Zabur, the Psalms of David, they say apparently. And the, uh, the uh, Quran is the Quran. So these are the books from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the Qur'an specifically, or the books as a whole, then we believe that they were the speech, or they are the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Qur'an, as is the belief of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, the Qur'an was not created by Allah. Allah didn't create the Qur'an. Allah spoke the Qur'an. Allah spoke the Qur'an, and it was heard by Jibreel alayhi salam. The voice of Allah was heard by Jibreel when Allah spoke the Qur'an. So the Qur'an is not created. It was the speech of Allah that Allah spoke. That is an attribute of Allah. So we don't believe that the Qur'an was created by Allah. It was the speech of Allah. That is the Qur'an and the other books also. Uh, So all of that was revelation. However, the previous books that came prior to the Qur'an, they have now been distorted and altered. They've been changed, things have been added, things have been removed. So those books are no longer upon their original states. Whereas the Qur'an, it remains upon its original state. And it will continue to remain upon its original state by the guardianship and protection of Allah upon it, up until the day of judgment when it is uh, raised from the earth. So the Qur'an is preserved. And Allah said that in the Qur'an itself, that we will preserve the Qur'an. That doesn't change, that doesn't alter, there's no reductions from it, no additions to it. That is the original Qur'an as it was when it was initially, originally revealed. So this shows to you the deviance and the misguidance of the Shia. Some of the Shia, some of their sects, they believe that the Qur'an is distorted. This is the Aqidah, some of the Shia. They believe that the Qur'an that we have now, then that Qur'an isn't complete. They believe that two-thirds of it are missing. Some of the Shia, they believe two-thirds of the Qur'an is missing. They say what we've got now is only a third of it. Where's the other two-thirds gone? They say that Abu Bakr and Umar and the companions hid the other two-thirds. This is the Shia. Their misguidance and their deviance to this level, that they believe that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and Umar radiallahu anhumah, that they concealed and they hid two-thirds of the Qur'an. That's what they believe. Why? Because they say in their deviated belief from what the shaitan whispered upon them, they believe that in the other two-thirds upon their deviance and misguidance, in those two-thirds they say, was the ayat about Ali radiallahu anhu. They say in those two-thirds were all of the ayat about Ali radiallahu anhu. But obviously they say that Abu Bakr and Umar didn't want the people to know about that so they could take the Khilafah and all of these other types of nonsense that they make up. So this is their deviated and misguided and nonsense aqidah. These are some of the things that they mention that the Qur'an is hidden and only a third of it we have it. And all types of other beliefs they have too. So the Qur'an it is preserved and that is the original actual Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed upon 
the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That is the belief in the books. So we believe in the ones that we know their names. It's obligatory for you to therefore believe that there was a book called the Torah, a book called the Zabur, the Injil, the Suhuf, the Quran, of course. You believe in the books that we know by name. Just like the angels, the ones that you know by name, you have to believe in them by name. That there's definitely an angel called Jibreel. And definitely an angel called Israfil. You have to believe in the names of the names that we know. And the ones that we don't know, then you have a general belief that they existed. So we know that, that there were other books too. There were other books that were revealed. We don't know how many what their names were, but we believe that Allah revealed other books too. Then the fourth part is the belief in the prophets and the messengers themselves. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the prophets and the messengers. Sheikh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala says, Therefore you must believe, have this iman in all of the prophets and messengers from the beginning to the end. From the first of them to the last of them. From the ones whose names that we know, and even the ones whose names we don't know. It's the same thing. We know the names of some of the prophets and messengers, and there are other prophets and messengers whose names we don't know. But you believe in them all. You believe in all of the prophets and messengers, whether we know their names or we don't know their names. فَمَنْ جَحَدَ وَاحِدًا فَقَدْ جَحَدَ الْجَمِيعَ Whoever rejects even one of the prophets and messengers, then it's as if he has rejected all of them. You must believe in every single one. Whoever rejects one, then it's as if you've rejected all of them. And that person will be a disbeliever for that, for rejecting the prophets and messengers. وَلَوْ آمَنَ بِبَعْضِهِمْ وَكَافَرَ بِبَعْضِهِمْ يَكُونُ كَافِرًا And even if a person believed in some of the prophets and messengers, and did not believe in others, then that isn't sufficient. That person would not be uh, sufficiently upon iman. That would be disbelief. Uh, for example, فَالَّذِي يُؤْمِنُ بِهِمْ وَيَكْفُرُ بِعِيسَى وَمُحَمَّدْ عَلَيْهِمَ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ كَالْيَهُودِ فَهُوَ كَافِرٌ Some of the people, like the Jews, they believe in the prophets and messengers. They believe in the prophets and messengers. And of course, they believe in Musa alayhi salam. But they don't accept Muhammad They don't accept Isa alayhi salam. But they accept Musa alayhi salam and the other prophets and messengers. That, however, is insufficient. That aqidah of theirs is false. It's not enough. Not enough for them to say, we believe in Musa alayhi salam, we're going to stick to his scriptures. The prophet sallallahu said, if Musa alayhi salam was alive now, he would have no choice but to follow this sharia, this legislation of the Quran and the Sunnah, because it is the final legislation which overcomes and overrides the previous legislations. And that answers the doubt that some people have sometimes. They say, what if somebody now, living now, he's a, a proper Christian, proper Christian, or he's a proper Jew, he follows Musa alayhi salam and the Torah, and he follows Isa alayhi salam and the Injil, etc. properly, then is that person okay? You say, no, he's not, even if he's following it properly. Firstly, you can't even follow it properly, because the books, like we said, are already distorted. They've already been distorted. They are not the original books anywhere now. And on top of that, even if they were, it wouldn't be allowed, because the final revelation, the Quran and the Sunnah, that's what takes precedence over everything else. Once the Quran and the Sunnah came, it abrogated all of the previous religions. So nobody can say now, but he's a proper Christian like they were back in, the, in those times. It's not possible. He's a proper Jew like they were in those times. And they were Muslims. Musa a.s. was Muslim. Isa a.s. was Muslim. Nobody can claim that anymore now. Now it's upon everybody to be 
upon Islam to be practicing this religion in a proper manner. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept that a person has iman in some of them and disbelieves in some of them. This is differentiating between the prophets and messengers. And it's not permissible to differentiate between the prophets and messengers, to believe in some and not to believe in others. You must believe in all of them. And Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُولِهِ وَيُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يُفَرِّقُوا بَيْنَ اللَّهِ وَرُسُولِهِ وَيَقُولُونَ نُؤْمِنُ بِبَعْضٍ وَنَكْفُرُوا بِبَعْضٍ وَيُرِيدُونَ يَتَّخِذُوا بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ سَبِيلًا أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ حَقًّا But there are some people who disbelieve in Allah and His Messenger. And they want to split between Allah and His Messengers. And they say we believe in some and we disbelieve in some. And they want to take a path in between there. Believe in some, don't believe in some. Allah says, what about them? أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ حَقًّا The ones who do that, they are the disbelievers in reality. Truthfully, they are disbelievers. The ones who believe in some and they don't believe in others. So the aqidah of a Muslim is to believe in all of the prophets and messengers. The ones whose names we know, you believe in their names. The ones whose names you don't know, you still believe that Allah sent the prophets and messengers to all of the nations. Just like Allah told us in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنْ يَعْبَدُوا اللَّهَ وَيَشْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ But indeed we sent to every nation a messenger preaching, Worship Allah alone upon Tawheed and stay away from the false deities. So we know that these prophets and messengers they were sent. The first of them was Nuh alayhi salam. And he was sent to his people at that time when the shirk began to appear. We know the story of how there used to be some righteous people. There used to be righteous people living at that time. Wad, wa suwa' wa yaghuth, wa yaquq, wa nasr. They were righteous people, pious people, worshipping Allah. Because after Adam salam, the next ten generations were all upon Tawheed. After Adam salam, from Adam salam for the next ten generations, up until Nuh salam, he came approximately ten generations later. In those first ten generations, they were all on Tawheed. Because Adam salam, from the beginning when humans were created, they were created on Tawheed. And that carried on for ten generations. How do we know everybody was originally created on Tawheed? Evidences in the Quran and the Sunnah. There's a hadith of Ibn Abbas in Al-Bukhari. He says, كَانَ بَيْنَ آدَمْ وَنُوحَ عَلِهِمَ السَّلَامَ عَشَرَةَ قُرُونَ عَشَرَةَ قُرُونَ كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى التَّوْحِيدِ He said, Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما, between Adam and Nuh عَلِهِمَ السَّلَامَ there were ten generations. All of them were on Tawheed. So we know from Adam salam and that generation and the next generation and the next generation, they carried on for 10 generations on Tawheed. And we know that Muslims, everybody, people are born upon Tawheed originally. The Prophet said, Kullu mawludin yuladu ala al-fitra. Every individual is born upon the natural disposition, the natural Tawheed. That's what everybody is born upon. Then afterwards his parents might make him a Christian or a Jew or a fire worshipper or whatever. But originally everybody is born upon Tawheed. So at that time they were all upon Tawheed until the 10th generation approximately. When those righteous people who were alive at that time upon that Tawheed etc. They died. When they died everybody else in the society became very sad. That these righteous people amongst us have died. So the shaitan came and saw his opportunity. 
He came to the people and said, you should go to their graves. They were righteous people, pious people. You should go to their graves so you can sit there and contemplate and ponder over their lives. So when you go there and sit there and think about them, it will increase your iman and you'll be stronger. So they thought that's a good idea, so they went and began to do that. They didn't commit any shirk though. They just went there, sat at the graves, thought about those people and their lives, and their iman became stronger and they improved, etc. They didn't commit any shirk though. Then the shaitan said to them, you should sit there for longer, stay at the graves for a few hours, for longer time. So they began to do that, still they didn't commit shirk though. They used to go there and sit there for ages and ages. After that, the shaitan came in the next step, and he said to them, you can't keep going out to the graveyard all the time, so far, so much difficulty. Make some statues that are representations of those people, so that when you see the statues, it will remind you of them, it will save you going to the graveyard. When you see the statues, you'll be reminded of those pious people, you'll become more pious too. It will increase your iman, give you an iman boost. When you see these statues that are representations of those pious people. So they said, okay, good. So they made these statues. Still they didn't commit shirk. They made the statues, they put them there, and they used to remember those pious people. After generations went by, and knowledge was lost. Generations went by, and knowledge was lost. And the people were no longer aware as to why their forefathers had built these statues and who they were, what they were. Then the shaitan came. And he said to them, do you know why your forefathers built these statues everywhere that you see? They didn't know. Then the shaitan said to them, your forefathers had built these statues to worship them. They had built these statues to make dua to them for the rainfall when it stops, etc. So the people began to do that. They began to worship them and make dua to them. Because they didn't know, they didn't know the story of their forefathers that these used to be righteous people. And they had just built them to remember them, not to worship them. They didn't know. Shaitan came and took the opportunity, said to them, your forefathers did that to worship them. So then they began to do it. As Ibn Abbas says in the hadith, Nusi al-ilm, knowledge had been forgotten. They had forgotten what this was and why these statues were there. They didn't know. So the Shaitan took the opportunity and said it was to worship. So they began to worship. So when they started to do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Nuh alayhi salam to remind them of Tawheed and to bring them back to the religion. And that was the same as the other prophets and messengers. They went to their people to call them to Tawheed and to bring them back to the religion of Al-Islam. All throughout the ages. From amongst these prophets and messengers, there are the Ulul Azam. The five strong, firm, grounded prophets and messengers. Who are they? The head of them, the best of the prophets and messengers, the best of the creation is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was Khalilullah. The most beloved of Allah. And Kalimullah, the one who Allah spoke to directly. On the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Muhammad directly. So he was Kalimullah. And he was Khalilullah, the most beloved of Allah. Two characteristics. The next one is, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Abu al-Anbiya, the father of all of the prophets. Ibrahim alayhi salam, he was Khalilullah, the most beloved of Allah. One characteristic. Then after that, Musa alayhi salam, because he was Kalimullah, the one Allah spoke to directly as well. So he had one characteristic. He was the one Allah spoke to directly. Ibrahim alayhi salam was the one who was the most beloved to Allah. Whereas Muhammad sallam was the one who was the most beloved to Allah and the one who Allah spoke to directly. Then the fourth and the fifth are Isa alayhi salam, one left.
Nuh alayhi salam, the other five. So that's the belief in the prophets and the messengers. We believe in the ones whose names that we know, and we believe in all of the others too, that we might not know their names. The fifth pillar, the belief in the day of judgment. The belief in the day of judgment. Belief in the day of judgment is everything that happens from the time of death up until entering paradise and hellfire and what occurs within them. Everything from the point of death all the way to paradise and hell. Everything that happens in between. So you die and the angels, they come and they ask you the questions and then your soul is taken up into the heavens and all these narrations that are mentioned. Then you go back to your grave and there's punishment of the grave, blessings of the grave. For the people who have the blessings, their grave is made wide and open so far, as far as your eyesight can see. And it's spacious and a door is opened into paradise and the smells of paradise, they come. For the one who is upon evil, then the grave is squashed upon him to his ribs, they crack. And the door is opened into hellfire and the heat and the smell comes from there. The angels, they come and they sit the person up and ask him the questions, who is your Lord, who is your prophet, what is your religion? After that, when the trumpet is blown and the people are raised up, or prior to that, the signs of the day of judgment, the Dajjal, Ya'juj, Ma'juj, all of these affairs, everything that happens. Then on the day of judgment itself, when we talked about the balance and the weighing scale of the deeds, and the bridge that the people must cross over, all of those things are the belief in the day of judgment. A person must have iman in every one of those factors. All of those, you believe in them in certainty. Not, maybe it might happen like that, maybe it might not, that's not permissible whatsoever. You must be upon certainty. <laughs> the believers, the ones with iman truly are the ones who believe in Allah and His Messenger, then they do not have any doubts. Believe in, the, in Allah and the Messenger, and what the Messenger told us about the Day of Judgment and all of those events. You believe in them in certainty, it's a part of your iman as a Muslim, as a believer. That those things are going to happen as the Prophet ﷺ told us they are going to happen. All of that is the belief in the Day of Judgment, and we already spoke regarding that previously. The final aspect is the belief in the decree. The final aspect is the belief in the decree. As for the belief in the Day of Judgment, like we said, we spoke about that previously, and there are already a series of lectures available about all of the events of the Day of Judgment. It's called uh, the, uh, the Journey of the Soul. There's a, a series of CDs called The Journey of the Soul, and it goes through all of the events of the Day of Judgment. From the time when death comes to you up until you enter paradise or hell, everything happens in between about the resurrection, about the trumpet blowing, all of the things in detail over nine or ten lectures. It's available in a series, so you can refer to that for the details of the Day of Judgment. Similarly, in the book of uh, Sheikh al Fawzan, uh, what's that one called? The Creed, the Correct Creed, and uh, the, the, the book that we mentioned before, Al Irshad al Sahih al Atiqad. The, the correct creed or something that... There's that book by Sheikh Al-Fawzan, it's in English. The correct creed and that which opposes it. Or something to that nature. The correct creed or the correct belief and methodology and that which opposes it. Something to that nature by Sheikh Al-Fawzan in English. In Arabic it's Al-Irshad ila Sahih al-I'tiqad. 
This book, in it, it explains all of the details or much of the details about the Day of Judgment also. So that's available in, in, in English as well. So you can refer to that for more details on that topic also. The final part of the belief is the belief in the decree. The belief in the decree. This is also one of the pillars of Iman. One of the pillars of Iman is the belief in the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The decree of Allah, then we know as it's mentioned in the narrations, the decree of Allah is something that was written when? When was the decree of Allah written? When did Allah write the decree? Correct, and when was that? 50,000 years before the creation. It's mentioned in a hadith, كَتَبَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرَ الْخَلَائِقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةً وَكَانَ عَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote the decree of all that is to occur 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote down all of that which is to occur. In the other hadith it says, أَوَّلَ مَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ الْقَلَمُ قَالَ لَهُ اكْتُبْ قَالَ مَا أَكْتُبْ قَالُ اكْتُبْ كُلُّ مَا هُوَ كَائِنٌ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ In that hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He created the pen, He said to the pen, write. The pen said, what shall I write? Allah said, write down everything which is going to occur till the day of judgment. So that is the decree in اللوح المحفوظ, the preserved tablet. اللوح المحفوظ, the preserved tablet. Belief in the decree, it has certain aspects to it, certain pillars to it. There are four pillars regarding the belief in the decree. Four pillars regarding the belief in the decree. When a person says, I have iman in the decree of Allah, which is the sixth pillar of iman. Then what do you mean by that? What do you mean you have iman in the decree? There are four parts that you mean. What are those four parts? You accept the good and the There are four specific parts. When you say you have iman in the decree, which is one of the pillars of iman, then there are four parts you need to believe in. This is the basics of what the iman in the decree means. There are four things you have to believe in for you to believe in the decree properly, for you to claim you have iman in the decree, there are four parts to it. The first part, this should be remembered now, these are the basics. The first part of the belief in the decree is ilmullah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His knowledge encompasses everything. The fact that Allah's knowledge encompasses everything from forever to forever. Allah's knowledge is all-encompassing and Allah is aware of every single thing. Past, present, future, even more than that. Past, present, future, and what else? Allah's knowledge, it covers the past, it covers the present, it covers the future. But even more than that. The end, the future. The unseen, the future, the past, it's all unseen. But Allah's knowledge, it covers the past, the present, the future, but even more than that. What's more? In detail, no problem, all of it. Past, present, future, Allah's knowledge encompasses everything which has happened in detail. Everything which is happening right now, everywhere in detail. Everything which is going to happen in the future in detail. But there's something more too? 
Hereafter is the future. What's in the person's heart? That's present tense now, what's in your heart? There's more than that too. Allah's knowledge encompasses more than just the past, present and future. Things that happened in the past, all the history, it's known to Allah. Everything happening right now, everywhere in the world, known to Allah. Everything is going to happen in the future, everywhere, anywhere, known to Allah. But more than that. That which will not happen, what do you mean? Everything that's not included. What do you mean, that, that which will not happen? How, what? If knowledge is complete, hmm? it includes what was before, present and future, and that which, will, which is not. Correct, that's the point. Things which did not occur and will not occur. If they did occur, Allah already knows how they would occur. So things that never took place in history, or things which are never going to happen in the future. If they did happen, Allah knows how they would happen if they happened. But they're not even going to happen. Things that aren't even going to take place or never took place, things that never even took place. If they had taken place, Allah knows how they would have happened. So the knowledge of Allah covers even those things that never occurred. If they had occurred, if those things had happened, Allah knows how they would have happened. So that's even more than just the things that actually did happen, things that didn't even happen. If they did happen, if they had have happened, Allah knows how they would have happened. That's the knowledge of Allah. So this is the first part of your belief in the decree. You believe that Allah's knowledge, it encompasses every single thing, past, present, future, everything a person is doing, everything in the hearts of the people, all of the movements, the statements, everything going on. Like that narration, it mentions the ayah. That there's not a single leaf that falls off any tree on the face of the earth except that Allah knows it. Middle of the rainforest in the darkness of the night, one leaf falls down somewhere, Allah is aware exactly where that leaf has fallen off, from which tree it has fallen off. All of that is mentioned. So Allah's knowledge encompasses every single thing, nothing is concealed from Allah. That is the first part of your belief in the decree. That is the first pillar of the belief in the decree. You believe Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. The second pillar... The second pillar of your belief in the decree is to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recorded all of that in the preserved tablet as we just mentioned. That all of the decree, past, present, future, it's all recorded and written down in the preserved tablet. That's a part of your belief in the decree. It's written down and recorded in the preserved tablet. That's a part of the belief in the decree. Um, the third part of the belief in the decree is al-mashia, that nothing happens in the decree except by the permission of Allah. Nothing happens anywhere except by the permission of Allah. And that's just like in the hadith where it says, لَوْ أَنَّ النَّاسَ اجْتَمَعُوا لِأَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعَ النَّاسَ عَلَى أَنْ يَذُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَنْ يَذُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ If all of the people, everybody, the jinn, the humans, everyone, if they got together to do something good for you, they wouldn't be able to do it. If every single person with all their capabilities and their skills, their technology, whatever, they all got together to do something good for you, 
they wouldn't be able to if it wasn't decreed. If it wasn't decreed, this was going to happen, everybody with their skills and their technology comes, they won't be able to do that goodness for you, whatever they want to do. Same in the hadith, it says, if everybody got together to do something evil to you, all of them come with their minds and their plans and their plots to do something bad to you, they all get together, the whole city, the whole town, everybody on the earth, they wouldn't be able to do that bad thing to you if it wasn't decreed. So this is the decree of Allah that everything occurs by the permission of Allah and nothing is outside of that. You cannot say that anything occurs ourselves without the permission of Allah. So the third part of your belief in the decree is that all of this occurs via the permission and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fourth part of the belief in the decree is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one who then creates all of this decree. He is the one who then causes all of this decree to come into practice. He is the one who causes all of this decree to come about. All of these things to happen. It is the creation of Allah. Because some of the people of innovation, they say, we create our own actions. We create things ourselves. Allah doesn't know. That's false. Allah creates everything. The creation is from Allah. So these are the four points that a person must understand regarding the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. All of that was written down in the Lawh al-Mahfuz, the preserved tablet. Nothing occurs without the permission of Allah first. That's in the Quran. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنِشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Allah is the one who makes that will first, permission. And then fourthly, that Allah creates all of the decree. There is one thing that should be mentioned regarding the decree. Which is, is it permissible to say, if you commit a sin, that it's not my fault, it was the decree. If somebody, for example, does a sin, then can they say afterwards that you can't blame me, it must have been the decree, how else could I have committed the sin? You're telling me that your belief is everything was written down 50,000 years before creation. Everything was decreed. So if it was decreed today, I was going to do this sin in the morning that I've done. Then that's not my fault. Then why are you blaming me? It was in the decree I was going to do it. What do you say to them? Correct. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us free will. We have choice in what we do. How do we know that? Ayah in the Quran, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ You do not will to do anything except that Allah wills it first. So Allah affirms that you will to do things. You have a choice. But the choices you make are already known to Allah. Allah already knows the choices you're going to make and what you're going to do. But it's you who makes the choice. For a person to get up and make wudu and pray, that's your choice. A person could just sit down at home and not bother. Nobody would come with a gun or a knife. He could do what he want. You make the choice to get up and make the wudu and pray because of your iman in the hearts. Because of the tawheed in the hearts. You make the choice to get up and worship Allah. Similarly, if you commit a sin, that's your choice. Nobody came with a gun and made you miss a prayer. Nobody came with a knife and made you miss a prayer. If you miss a prayer, that's your choice you did that. You were lazy, you didn't bother to get up. That was your choice. So a person has a choice in the actions that they do. 
So when you commit a sin, you can't say, well, it was the decree. It must have been the decree, otherwise I couldn't have done it. Okay, but it was your choice that you did that sin. You made the choice to do that sin. And it was already known to Allah that you were going to make that choice. So you cannot use the decree as an evidence. They say there's a narration at the time of the Salaf, a person who used to drink alcohol. He used to drink alcohol a lot. So they came with him to the Khalifa. And they said to the Khalifa, this individual keeps drinking alcohol. So they said, the Khalifa said, we're going to whip him. The ruling for the one who drinks alcohol, we're going to whip him. The man said, why are you going to whip me, etc. It's not my fault. If I drank alcohol, then it was the decree. It must have been in the decree. I couldn't have done it if it wasn't in the decree. So they said to him, don't worry. We're going to whip you. And we're going to whip you because that must be in the decree as well then. If we whip you, then that must have been in the decree. That we're going to whip you today. So this is not an evidence to use to say that if I commit a sin, then it's not my fault. It must have been in the decree. You made the choice for that to occur. You made the choice to commit the sin. And that's why the people will be held accountable on the Day of Judgment. The one who created death and life to test you. Which of you are the best in actions? To test you, Allah says, which of, the, which of you are the best in actions? Who from amongst you will make the choice to do goodness? And who from amongst you will make the choice to do evil? So this is a choice a person has. And a person cannot use the decree ever to say that it's not my fault, it was the decree. If I did that sin, then it was the decree. Another thing the scholars, they say, people who do that, people who say, well, I committed this sin and I committed that sin, and it was all because of the decree. Because of the decree, it's not my fault. Then the scholars, they say, imagine that same person, one day he goes home, and all of his house has been robbed. Everything in his house has been robbed. It's all been taken, thousands of pounds of technology and other things. Do you think that person is going to say when he sees that, well, what can you do? It's the decree. We'll just sit down and have a cup of tea. Would they ever say that? Instead they will say, what's going on? Ring the police, go run outside, check everywhere, evidence, proof who's done this. Why? Why don't they just say, well, it's the decree. When something bad happens, why don't they say it's the decree then? Then they want to run around and find out who did it, how, when, what. Get revenge, get justice. Now they don't sit there and say, well, it's a decree, what can you do? But when it comes to sinning, they say, well, it was the decree, must have been recorded, must have been written. So you see already the falsehood of their argument. When something bad happens, they won't use the decree then. But when something they do bad, they do some sin, then they'll say, well, it must have been the decree then. So you see, this is false. This is false to use this argument regarding the decree to try to justify sins that a person has committed. Um, the Shaykh says here, فَالْإِيمَانُ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ يُكْسِبُ الْإِنسَانَ قُوَّةَ الْعَزِيمَةِ وَقُوَّةَ الْإِيمَانِ وَالتَّوَكُّلَ عَلَى اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى وَعَدَمُ الْإِيمَانِ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ يُؤَدِّي بِالْإِنسَانِ إِلَى الْجَزْعَةِ وَالسَّخَطِ عِنْدَ الْمَصَائِبِ A person who has true iman in the decree of Allah, so he knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he decrees all of the things. Everything that happens is decreed by Allah. A person who has that true iman in that, will always be satisfied with what happens. Even if something bad happens, he'll know, this is the decree of Allah if this bad thing has happened. If he goes home one day, and his car has been broken into, he will know, he'll be sad by that, of course you do. But the person isn't going to become 
despondent and start shouting and screaming and running around. He knows at the end of the day, that's the decree of Allah. Of course, he'll go and try and find out who did it, etc., all those things. But you're content with the decree. Something by somebody dies, for example, somebody dies in the family, then you're still patient. So a person who has the full iman in the decree of Allah, one of the fruits of that is that you will be able to be more patient. Whenever something bad happens to you, something which you didn't want happening to you, some evil occurs to you, then you can be patient upon that. You know this is the decree of Allah, it's a test from Allah. So you can be patient. And this is one of the greatest factors or fruits or benefits of the decree. A person who has true iman that Allah controls everything. Allah decrees everything. And Allah is the one who brings about all of these affairs. Then a person can be content with whatever happens. That's why the hadith says, whatever happens, say alhamdulillah. Something bad happens, say alhamdulillah. It's a decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you don't know, maybe something happens and you think it's bad. You think it's bad. But then later on in a month or two months, the same thing, it turns out that it was actually something good for you. Later on you realize it's a good thing that happened actually. Sometimes that happens too. Later on, maybe a year, maybe 10 years later, something happens and you think to yourself, actually it was good. You know what? It was good that happened 10 years ago because this has turned out really good now. So sometimes something might happen and you think it's bad. But if you're patient, you never know. Maybe later that same thing turns out to be something good for you. And it's in the Quran, it's mentioned. Maybe you dislike something and it's actually good for you. And maybe you want something and it's actually bad for you. So a person who has this iman in the decree, this firm belief, then that person will be able to be more patient. As for a person who doesn't have this belief in the decree properly, then anytime some little problem occurs, then they become sad and depressed and screaming and shouting. Just like it's mentioned when a person dies, the Prophet said, لَيْسَ مِنَّ مَنْ ضَرَبَ الْخُدُودَ وَشَقَّ الْجَيُوبِ وَدَعَى بِدَعْوَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ That person is not from amongst us, the one who beats himself and tears his pocket and screams and shouts when somebody dies. Because that indicates the person isn't being patient upon the decree of Allah. So what is required from a believer is to be patient upon the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are the pillars of Iman, uh, the six pillars of Iman. That was the answer that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave to Jibreel alayhi salam. When Jibreel alayhi salam said, Akhbirni anil iman. Tell me what iman is. Iman is those pillars. To have iman in Allah at the head of them all, in tawheed of Allah. Then iman in the angels. Then iman in the prophets. Iman in the books. Iman in the day of judgment. And iman in the decree. They are the six pillars of iman that everybody should understand. And if I'm not mistaken, perhaps I think in English there is a book by Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Taymeen about those six pillars. Certainly in Arabic it's available. Maybe in English it might be available too. The six pillars of Iman by Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Taymeen rahimahullah ta'ala. But there are many books that you can get regarding those pillars. They are the basics that everybody should have a good understanding about. So that's the pillars of Iman. After that, Jibreel alayhi salam asked the Prophet sallallahu another question, which was, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ ihsan Tell me what ihsan is. So first Jibreel alayhi salam asked, what is Islam? Then he asked, what is Iman? Then he asked, what is Ihsan? What is Ihsan? 
and ihsan, insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll start with from the beginning of next lesson. We've now done the first two, Islam and Iman. We'll start with the third part, which is ihsan, which is the highest level. Higher than Islam, higher than Iman is ihsan. So we'll get to that next week and explain what ihsan is, and what the characteristics and definitions of that are. And we'll explain that and continue with the hadith insha'Allah ta'ala from that point next week at the same time quarter past seven insha'Allah ta'ala or approximately 7.30. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.